And today we are continuing the series that we started several weeks ago as we're focusing on the full armor of God as it's described in Ephesians chapter 6. And we've seen, again, that this is a letter of Paul, and, and, and he wrote many letters. And, and in fact, um, already a lot of the letters in the, in the New Testament are written by him. And most of his letters are focused on very specific situations or specific people, um, things that were going on. And Ephesians is a little bit different. I mean, it is a letter. It was written to the church in Ephesus, but it has a little broader um, perspective than most of his letters. He focuses um, not just on specific situations, but on many big picture purposes that God has for the church and many different issues that the church faces in many different ways. And he covers many topics throughout the letter, and, and all of them are very helpful for us as followers of Jesus and as a part of his church. But the final topic he addresses is how we as the church are on the front lines of a great spiritual conflict. And the spiritual conflict that we call spiritual warfare, and, and we've, we've seen these, these base kind of facts that we need to understand in order for us to, to fulfill everything that Paul calls us to in this section. And our theme verses for this series are, are come out of Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 and 11, where it says, A final word, to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. I mean, we see a couple just things that we need to fully understand in this. And first off is that we are in this war, right? And he calls us to stand firm. And we don't get, a, get to choose whether we are going to be a part of this or not. This is the fact that we are human, which means we're created in God's image. We are automatically a part of this war. Because this, he's describing this, this, this overarching conflict between good and evil, between God and the enemy. Right? And because we are created in God's image, the enemy is focused on us because the enemy cannot hurt God because he can't be God's power. And yet that's exactly the next thing we see that we are told to use God's power in this battle, not our own. Right? And it is by God's power that we are assured victory. And we also understand that, again, we are, we are to put on all of the armor. We need every piece. And as we've been studying it through these last few weeks, we, we see how all of the pieces are connected together. Right? Each one strengthens the other one, and we need all of it, because if we don't have it all, then we are vulnerable and through a weak spot. They, and again, we'll see, especially today, how they all are connected together, and, and yet we know a wise enemy will attack where we are weak, not where you are strong. And so we need all of the armor. But again, as we see that, though, we see we're supposed to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. And that's kind of the last, you know, kind of foundational truth we need to know is that the devil has strategies. They are out to get us and to take us out, but yet we have a choice to make and to say, no, I will stand firm and I will fight back with God's power. I will no longer be target practice, right? But I will draw a line in the sand and, and fulfill everything that I need to do as a follower of Jesus. Um, if you see here after these verses in verses 13 through 18, Paul describes um, each of the individual pieces of the armor. And so we're going to look at that this morning. If you have your Bible with you, I invite you to open with me to Ephesians chapter 6. If you don't have one with you, or and you don't, if you don't have a Bible or don't have it with you today, um, there are Bibles provided for you in the seats that you're welcome to use. And you'll see the page numbers are provided for you where you can find uh, this passage in those Bibles. So we're going to open it up to Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 13, where it says, Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. 
And then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. And in addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. As we look at this description of the armor, we see that Paul uses this illustration of of a Roman officer and, and the different pieces of armor that they would put on to prepare themselves for battle. And he gives, he gives the pieces in a very specific order, um, the order in which the officer or the warrior would put them on. Um, and, and we see that each one kind of builds on top of the one before it and to where, again, they all gather together to protect the warrior. Again, these are put on, right, in safety as, as we can come into the safety of God and to learn and, and gain these skills and put them on. And when they're all ready, they're all put in place, then we can go out into battle, right, just like the warrior would do, just like the Roman officer would do. Once all of the armor is, is in place, we are ready to fulfill everything God needs us to do. And we've, go, we've worked our way through all these different pieces. We start with the belt of truth. Then we moved on to the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace. Last week, we looked at the shield of faith. And then today, we are to the helmet of salvation. Now, we look at the helmet, and, and again, this is the, the last piece of the defensive armor. Again, we have two weeks left of this series. Next week, we're looking at the, the sword, the only offensive weapon that we are given. And then we're going to wrap it all together with that final verse as we look at prayer. And we're told to cover it all with prayer. So we've got two more weeks of this series. But this morning, as we focus on the helmet, and we start out as we've done with these other pieces, we see and learn exactly what it was that that Paul saw on these Roman officers. Um, This is a a very typical uh, Roman um, just infantry warrior helmet. This is one that was actually excavated, and so that's why it, it looks, it's all aged and rusted. And, but again, it's it a metal helmet. You see, not only does it protect your head, right, but it also had a few other pieces. It had these, these kind of cheek, cheek things, protectors that came down, hung off the side, uh, but yet kept it open for your ears so that you could still hear, you know, the, the, um, what was being said to you or the commanded to you. It also, it also has this kind of visor off the back of it that would, would cover that gap between where your helmet ends and where your armor starts, right? and it would cover that gap. Hey, we see here's a picture of just a kind of modern one just being worn, and you see how, again, it protects those vulnerable areas of your face, but yet you can still see well, so you can still see what's coming around, you can still hear well, but yet it, it's designed to protect your head. But not just your head. Right? Why is the helmet so important? It's not just you know, to protect your head. It's also to protect your brain. Right? And when we think about that aspect of it, right, is that, again, your head's very important. I mean, physically, it's very important. It's where all of your actions come from, right? These, even whether you're moving your hands or your feet or whatever it is, it comes, starts in your brain. Right? And so, again, your, your head is important as well as your brain. It protects us not only physically, Right from your head being damaged or hurt or injured, but it also protects you mentally. 
Okay, the helmet provides physical protection as well as mental protection. And, we, and just like with this piece of armor, with all of the ones before it, Paul connects it to a spiritual reality or, or character trait. And, and today, what he connects this helmet to is, is salvation. Now, when we look at salvation, salvation is one of the most central themes of the entire Bible. In fact, if you look up the word study on salvation, it is literally used hundreds and hundreds of times throughout all of Scripture. It is, it is the theme, the, the thread that runs through all of Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, it, in different, many different ways, talks about salvation in every single book of the Bible. Hey, and yet, when we see that, again, which is one of the reasons why your outline is so tiny, is because there is so much to cover this morning. Now, when we look at salvation, as it, it's, again, this, this most central theme of the entire Bible. Right? We start just with the, the definition of this word, and, and the definition does not change throughout all of Scripture. Okay, we have the Old Testament view, and the New Testament view, and the Hebrew word, and the Greek word, and, and yet it is, salvation is one that is, that is consistent throughout all of Scripture. And, and the, the word salvation, the, the, the bigger expanded definition is to defend or to rescue, or to save. Right? Salvation is to be defended, to be rescued, to be saved. And, and the one that, that carries out the salvation okay, is the Savior. And, you know, as, as we look at, at that, we see, again, the helmet. There's many different styles, just like most of all of these different kinds. You see the, the fancier they were, the higher rank, right? You have the plumes that were added for the officers. Okay? And, and yet, it's still kind of a fitting representation, right, of, of that not only do we have salvation, but we have people that are focused on that. We have our saviors. Okay? In kind of these, now, whoever provides salvation for you is then your deliverer or your defender. And when we think of that from the spiritual aspect, that, that again, we are being defended, we are being rescued by our Savior and by our deliverer, by our defender. And we realize that this helmet provides physical protection as well as mental protection. The helmet of salvation does provide us physical protection. And we look at, at all of the, the different aspects of salvation, that, that we are being rescued from something. In fact, many times in the Old Testament, we see how, how God physically saves Israel from their enemies. Right? He protects them from, from the nations around them, or he delivers his people from the injustices of the world. Right? He saves them. Uh, today we're going to flip over to Isaiah uh, chapter 59, verses 16 through 18. And again, this is, this is God speaking through the prophet Isaiah. And, and again, as he's speaking for God. Okay, again, we're going to pick up here Isaiah 59 uh, at verse 16. And we're going to read 16 through 18. And it says, He was amazed to see that no one intervened to help the oppressed. So he himself stepped in to save them, with his strong arm, and his justice sustained him. He put on righteousness as his body armor and placed the helmet of salvation on his head. He clothed himself with a robe of vengeance and wrapped himself in the cloak of divine passion. He will repay his enemies for their evil deeds. His fury will fall on his foes, and he will pay them back even to the ends of the earth. 
Again, God is a saving God. He physically defended his people as he continues to do today. We even see in the times of Jesus when he was with his disciples. There were many times that the disciples called out for for Jesus to physically save them. Whether it was in the midst of a dangerous storm, right? And they they cried out, Jesus, save me, and he calms the storm. Right? Or they got into all kinds of interesting situations right, where they had to turn to Jesus and say, Jesus, save us. And he steps in to defend them and to physically protect them. And yet this is even a concept that we, we continue to pray for even today. Now, how many times have you prayed for physical safety? Right? Or God, watch over us as we start out on a trip. Right? Help us you know, drive safely to this place. Or, or even as we leave from a gathering from church, we oftentimes pray, Lord, guide us, get us home safe. Right? We understand the physical protection that comes from the helmet of salvation. But it is not only a physical salvation right? or a physical defense. It is also a mental protection. Right? The helmet of salvation also provides mental protection. We see in 1 Thessalonians 5.8, it says, But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. And we see again this kind of kind of parallel theme of some of some of this armor and some of these these spiritual aspects coming in, but again we understand that we put on our our helmet of salvation. But as it's described here, it's not just a physical protection, but yet what what comes with that helmet? It is confidence, right? And that is is a mental state. And I don't know about you, but at different times when I go into situations, if I go into something confidently. Right? It's a very different situation than if I go into it scared or nervous or sheepishly. Right? But yet the helmet, my salvation protects me not only physically, but it also protects my mind. It, it protects my mental state right? of how I see things and how I process things. And again, this helmet of salvation okay, is seen not just as both, as physical protection from God, as well as mental protection from God. And again, as we see, Scripture um, talks about salvation in many different aspects all throughout the Bible. We also see that salvation is referred to in all three tenses within Scripture. Okay, it is referenced to about the past, about the present, and about the future. Okay, salvation encompasses all three tenses. And it's, in fact, it's described in all three tenses in several different places within Scripture. First, we'll start with the past. Okay, in the past, we say, how is it referenced in the past? In the past, salvation restores my relationship with God that is broken by my sin. Okay, salvation restores my relationship with God that was broken by my sin. And we see, again, we all have this sin problem, right? As we looked earlier, we talked about God's holiness and how we all fall short of God's holiness because we are falling. We are born with a sinful nature. That's exactly what Paul teaches us in Romans 3, 23 and 24. He says, for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. 
Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Right? We see all of my sins, everything, a sin that I've, I've committed in the past is washed clean because of God's grace brought to me through Jesus. Right? We have all sinned, but yet we can all find salvation through grace. Right? And he makes us right in his sight. Again, that is a relational status. Right? That is not just a physical place. That is a relational status. In fact, when we look at, right, again, that's exactly what, what salvation does, is it restores my relationship, because that's what sets Christianity apart from any other world religion, is it's not a religion at all. It is a relationship with my God. Right, and, and it, again, salvation restores me to that unhindered relationship. Right, and again, through the blood of Christ, I am washed clean by his grace. Right, so that he's freed me from the penalty of my sin. We see, again, Jesus literally defines eternal life for us in his prayer in John 17. He prays this right before he goes to the cross. These are Jesus' words. He says, and this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. That is a relational status. Right? It is not a list of things to check off and I'm good. Right? It is about a relationship with our God. Right? Jesus defines eternal life on relational terms. Right? And that's how, again, the helmet protects us from our past, is that it restores that relationship with God that was broken by my sin. I have been forgiven. Right? I've been justified. I am saved. Not just the past, but it also speaks to our salvation in the present. Okay, Because in the present, it changes my identity from God's creation to God's child. It changes my identity from God's creation to God's child. When I receive Christ as my Savior, when, when I, I embrace my salvation, when I put on that helmet, it changes my identity. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us when anyone belongs to Christ, he's become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. That happens at the moment you receive your salvation. As soon as you join the journey of faith and you invite Christ into your life and confess your sins and receive, again, the the, the freedom of your past, then it, it, it... encompasses your present and changes your identity. You are no longer a slave to sin, but you are set free and your identity is changed. You are a new person. The old is gone and the new has begun. I see in Galatians 4, 7, it tells us now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Again, everybody on this planet, every human is God's creation. 
Even if we choose to deny his existence completely, doesn't change the fact that he exists. Even if we want to deny his existence, it doesn't change the fact that he created this world and created all of us. And every person on this planet is a part of God's creation. But when we receive our salvation, our identity changes from God's creation to God's child. And when our identity changes, everything else changes around it. Because being God's child comes with some pretty good benefits. It just says, not only are you child, but you are his heir. So that's a big inheritance. Because what does God own? God owns everything. He owns eternity. And we, again, then have access as God's heir. We have access to everything that we need, including God's power to fight the battle. And I can live into my real identity as God's child because the truth is that we live our lives based on the identity that we believe that we are. And we live into that identity. And most times we live into identities that have been pushed upon us. Right? By childhood experiences or by, by something that somebody says to us or the way that they define me by how, by how I make my living. Right? Whether you had somebody that well, somewhere down the line told you that you were worthless and then you live out that identity. Which is a lie, by the way. Or somebody that tells you that that you're never going to mount anything, or you're not lovable, or whatever it might be. Even, even something as simple as living into identity, like of our jobs, right? Of saying, I'm a salesman, right? And we live into that identity, but that's not our identity. Then you are God's child. And you can be God's child that sells stuff, right? But yet we become defined by who God is and his truth and how he sees us. And then we then live that out as we put on our salvation, right? As we live into that identity. And not only is it past about my sins, not only is it my present about my identity and that, that again, my identity changes the moment I receive Christ as my savior, right? But then it also speaks to our salvation in the future tense. Because in the future, my salvation changes how I process experiences, how I make decisions, and how I see the world moving forward. He's hear me to say that salvation is way bigger than my conversion. Right? My conversion experience right, is where I ask Jesus into my life and confess my sins and become saved and I'm rescued from my sins and all these things from the past and, and the present when that happens. But salvation's way bigger than just my conversion. Okay, salvation takes me from that point when I join that journey to where then it starts a new journey in my life, this journey of faith as I'm moving towards Christ. Right? And then I continue to live out that salvation every day right, as I move into the future. Right? And yet we know that that, that salvation has to con- will continue on right? until I, I, it is fully realized. Right? And again, Paul speaks to this in several different places. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, he says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead. 
And I press on to reach the end of the race and to receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. What is, what is our heavenly prize? It is our eternal salvation, right? Being with God for eternity in an unhindered relationship with him in heaven. Okay, but guess what? That hasn't happened yet. We're still here. But my salvation is playing out in the future. Right? And is that what Paul says? He's like, I have not yet achieved it. But I focus on moving forward. Right? I focus on living every moment with putting on that helmet and going through and fulfilling everything God calls me to do from this point of conversion until it is fully realized when I'm standing face to face with my Savior in heaven. And our salvation continues to go with us and work in our minds and in our hearts every day between when we first join the journey and to when our faith journey ends and our heavenly journey begins. We see again, Paul says, I have not yet achieved it, but yet I press on and keep my focus on, on that prize. A little earlier in the same letter in Philippians chapter 2, He says, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Again, it's a part of when my identity changes, a part of like, of who I'm trying to please in this world changes. And again, who am I trying to please? I'm trying to please God. I'm trying to please my creator because of my salvation. It changes that perspective. I mean, notice, I, I love the NIV version of this verse. Okay, the NIV version says, I will work out my salvation with fear and trembling. Again, it's not just about my conversion, but it's about me from that conversion on that I continue to work out my salvation right, until I fully attain it. And we see in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, he says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, Give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. And this is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Again, he, Paul is describing for us, again, this, this ongoing journey that we go through, not from our conversion, but yet as we continue to work out our salvation every day. Right, again, what is it going to bring to us as I put on that helmet every day and to go, go into battle for God? Right, is It will change the way I think. I encourage you to under, underline that phrase on your outline. Because that helmet not only physically protects my head, but it also mentally protects my brain. And you start to do life through and see life and process everything through a very different lens when I put on that helmet of salvation. And I see, again, that transformation that happens in my life as I, as I look forward into the future aspects of my salvation. Right, we see through Scripture that, that our salvation protects us, not just physically, but also mentally. We see how, how, how salvation is presented in, in the past tense, in the, the present tense, and in the future tense. 
And as we look at this whole picture of the armor of God, we realize that the helmet of salvation is the last piece of defensive armor to be put on because it ties everything together. In fact, when we look at how salvation is described in Scripture, okay, is all of these pieces, not just all these pieces of the armor, the, the truth and the righteousness and the peace and the faith, but, but yet just pretty much basically every theological concept presented in Scripture are all combined together to equal our salvation. It is the last piece of defensive armor that we are given because it caps it all off. When we put it all together, it equals our salvation. And the truth is, if your head and your brain are not protected, the rest of the armor does not mean much. Because what's a guaranteed kill shot? In the head. Right? And a headshot will take you down instantly. Right? And salvation is the final piece of the defensive armor because it ties everything together. It starts and ends with our salvation. Again, many spiritual con concepts all work together to create salvation in the past, in the present, and in the future. Can I look at salvation? It encompasses my regeneration, my justification, my atonement, my redemption, my reconciliation, my adoption, my sanctification, and my future glorification. And that is a huge list of really big theological terms. And they all culminate into my helmet of my salvation. Salvation is a big deal. It is an important piece of the armor. It is something that we all need for our past, in our present, and, and especially for our future. And when we realize the importance of the helmet and all that it encompasses, I need to communicate the importance of the helmet to everyone. I need to communicate the importance of the helmet to everyone. Now, when you see that word everyone, okay, you need to realize that that everyone includes yourself. I need to be reminded that I need the helmet every day. You need to be reminded that you need the helmet every day. Again, it is not about just your conversion. It is about from your conversion every day from your conversion until you are standing face to face with Christ in heaven. You need that helmet every day. And guess what? That's one of the lies of the enemy is that, you know, you don't need the helmet today. You're fine without it. And we cannot believe that lie. You need your, your salvation. You need to live the gospel every single day. Today's we. As we look at this helmet, this concept of a helmet, you might have noticed that there's this dirt bike helmet sitting up here on stage this morning. Now, this helmet is here because literally this helmet, this exact helmet, is a helmet that saved my life in 2010. Okay, and this helmet has been on the wall of my garage, right, for, for many years, okay, because it's a, it's a visual reminder to me that I need to put on the helmet every day. Because the truth is, I rode out of the garage 
on my dirt bike. I just testing apart, and I rode out of the garage on that day without that helmet on. And I stopped at the end of the driveway, and I walked back into the garage, and I strapped that helmet on my head. And then I took off on my motorcycle around the corner to go test apart, and I crashed. And had I not been wearing that helmet, I would have died instantly. Now, in that moment, and the whole story of that day and, and all that thing is, is for another time because, you know, I don't have time to go into that. But I'll tell you, I got hurt really bad. Hey, I broke my back. I broke my sternum. My left arm has been surgically rebuilt from that crash. Hey, and, but had I not put on that helmet, my story would have ended that day. And I'll tell you, is I because I rode out of the garage that day on that motorcycle thinking I didn't need it. And now I believe with every ounce of my being that God made me stop and go back and get it. Okay, now, the, again, the physical reason I went back and got it was because my kids were playing in the front yard. Okay, and I rode out of the garage not thinking I, I didn't need it. I was like, I know how to ride a motorcycle. I'm testing a part. It's fine. Right, and yet we... I had always told my kids, and the boys were real little at that time, right? And, and we'd always told them, you have to wear a helmet every time you ride a motorcycle. And literally, that's the only reason I stopped and went back and got it. Now I know now that's not why I went back and got it. Right? I know because God was protecting me from my own stupidity. Now, did I experience a lot of pain and lessons out of that experience? Absolutely. Right? But God saved my life. Right? And like I said, I rode out of there thinking I didn't need the helmet that day. And guess what? That it was an absolute lie. And we cannot believe the same lie about our lives and about our helmet of salvation. If even if you are saved, if you have been converted, does not mean you don't need the helmet. You need the helmet every single day. And you need to put it on every single day. And as we realize, again, the, the, the importance of the helmet, right, we need to communicate that importance to everyone, including myself. But in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3, it says, So what makes us think we can escape if we ignore this great salvation that was first announced by the Lord Jesus himself and then delivered to us by those who heard him speak? Let that question sink in for a moment. What makes us think that we can escape if we ignore our salvation? What on earth would ever make us think we can escape without salvation? Because the truth is we can't. We can't escape. Again, this is an incredible tactic and lie of the enemy, right? That so many people believe. I don't need the helmet. I'll figure it out on my own. Right? But the truth is we can't escape without it. We won't wiggle our way through it. We won't figure it out. It won't all just work out. We cannot escape without the helmet of salvation. We will die without the helmet. This is such an important question. And yet it's one that we face every day 
as we walk with Jesus, and it's one that our world is facing every day, right? Because there are so many people in our world that think that they're going to escape without it. And it's a lie. Because the truth, right, is that because sin is humanity's greatest problem, salvation is humanity's greatest need. And that's true for non-believers and believers alike. Sin is our biggest problem, and therefore salvation is our biggest need. Again, the good news of the gospel is that we don't have to worry or wonder how it's all going to work out. Because God already solved that problem for us. That he sent Jesus on a mission. Right, and Jesus was very clear about that mission. Right, in Luke 19.10, he says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who were lost. Guess what? That's all of us. We are all lost without God. Right? In fact, Jesus, again, was very clear about why he was here and what his purpose in his life was. Right? That he came to purchase our salvation. In John 14, 6, Jesus told him, again, this is the most bold statement Jesus ever made about himself in all of Scripture. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. There's no wiggle room in that statement. It's not all going to work out without him. There is no other way. Again, this is the boldest claim that Jesus ever made, and and he is either 100% correct in this claim, or he is a complete lunatic. There is no wiggle room. There is no gray area. He's either 100% accurate, or he's crazy. And I'm here today, and I venture to say you are too, because you believe that Jesus was 100% accurate when he made that claim. And if that is true, since Jesus was 100% correct with this claim, that means everything that we know about Jesus becomes vital information. For everybody, because there is no other way. We all need the helmet. Every day. So as we think about this and again how important the helmet is, right, the first question we must ask ourselves is, is my helmet on? Am I putting my helmet of salvation on every day? Again, salvation is not a one-time event, but we have to live out the gospel every day of our journey. Am I paying attention to my own helmet? Am I strapping it on? But also, am I helping others find and wear their helmets? Because everybody needs the helmet of salvation every day. Am I focusing on my own helmet? And am I helping other people find and wear theirs? Again, just as Jason shared with you, we have this Boise Harvest event coming up, and this is a huge opportunity for not just our church, but for our valley, and there are many churches in our valley that are, that are participating in this. Okay, but this is a big chance for us to help other people find their helmets and to put them on. But it's also going to be helping us to strap on our helmet as well. But again, it's not just the Boise Harvest. We also have, again, between now and the Boise Harvest, we have this huge holiday called Easter. Okay, and Easter is an incredible opportunity for outreach. 
In fact, next Sunday, you're going to have invite cards in your bulletin for our Easter weekend events. Okay, we're going to do the same thing we're doing with Boise Harvest as far as we're putting down names. Next week, next weekend, you're going to get our Easter invites, and you're going to put some names down. Okay, because we got to take care of our own helmet, we got to help other people with theirs. So today, though, as we conclude our service, you know, I want to encourage you to focus on your own helmet, right, as well as help others. If you've written names on those, you can see, you, I want to encourage you to come forward and lay those, those tear-offs up here on the stage so that we can all be praying for them. Hey, but this is my final thought here this morning, and that's this. Everyone needs the helmet of salvation. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, it's important. Is your helmet on? And are you helping others with theirs? Again, if you do not have your helmet on this morning, I hope that you will pray and accept Christ as your Savior, even if you're putting it on for the first time. But even if you have been saved, but you need to recommit your life and strap that helmet on tighter, then do that today. And also be praying about those that, again, that God puts in your path that you can help them find and wear their helmet. Lord God, that is our prayer this morning. God, we give ourselves to you because you gave all for us. Lord, you are our defender. God, you provide us, Lord, our defense. Lord, you save us. You are our Savior. And we praise you so much for that today. And God, I pray that, Lord, we will go out here today into this world, Lord, through our lives this next week with our helmet firmly strapped on. Lord, that we take our salvation, that it will change the way we think. It'll change the way we make decisions, the way we see the world. God, help us to see, Lord, the world through the lens of our salvation, or through our, our identity in you. And God, I pray that, Lord, we will know 100% that our helmet's on. And God, that it, it will protect us physically, protect us mentally. But God, also help us this week and, and through these, these next weeks, Lord, as we approach Easter, as we approach the harvest event, God, to help others with their helmets as well. Because God, we all need you. And we praise you, God, for saving us, for stepping in our place, for restoring our relationship with you. We praise you for that today. Lord, and we, we will continue to worship you through every day of the week as we put on that helmet every day. God, and as we share with others who you are and how much you love them and what their real identity is for you. Lord, guide us as we go. Take us into battle. God, we will fight with your power and your salvation. Guide us as we go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.